Hey, what's up, guys? It is Cody Wynn, and this is a Faith Growth Podcast. <clears throat> and today's topic is going to be on forgiveness. This is a huge, huge topic for the church today, and it is a very relevant one, and unfortunately, one that I feel um, that I see most people fail at, unfortunately, which is kind of kind of scary to me to see. So. With that being said, let's go into see what the Word of God says about the topic of forgiveness. So if you guys would, um, if you're able to, you can turn to Matthew 18 with me. If not, then you can just listen to me speak about it. But we're going to go to verse 21. And it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall, we, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. So it already shows that Peter's heart behind the question is wrong. His desire is to try to get out of forgiving a brother rather than choosing to have the desire to do so. Jesus said to him, I do not say up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of God may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his slave. And when he had begun to settle them, the one who owed 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay his Lord, he commanded to be sold along with his wife and his children, all that he had for a repayment to be made. So the slave fell on the ground prostrate and prostrated himself before him. It's the same word for worship, by the way. And he said, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of the slave felt compassion and found the one, uh, excuse me, he felt compassion and released him and forgave him of his debt. So he forgave him completely of this debt that he had to pay. So not only did he not sell him for the money back, but he forgave him completely and he never had to pay the money back ever Verse 28, but that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him saying, pay back what you owe. So this fellow slave fell on the ground and began to plead with him saying, have patience with me and I'll repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him into prison until he paid back what he owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, the Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I gave you all, I forgave you of all your debt and you pleaded with me. Should you not also have mercy on the slave who did the same and have mercy on them? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he repaid everything that was owed to him. And my heavenly will do the same to each one of you who does not forgive his brother from your heart. Wow, that is a heavy story, right? I mean, so in this story, there's this man who is, um, is, has got the huge debt that he pays. I mean, exponentially greater debt that he has to pay off. And he gets forgiven of every penny of it, guys. And in response to that, he gets somebody who owes him money. And his response is of nothing but pure judgment and wrath on this person. And he was going to make them repay every single cent which is unreal because he literally just, I mean, he just got forgiven for all of that stuff and he still chose to do nothing in regards to forgiving him. So for that reason, he said, in the same way, if you do not forgive those who have done you wrong, he said, your heavenly father will do the same as the man who tortured the slave for life. And that is a very, very heavy thing for us to consider. And we don't want to have, you know, people hold, you know, uh, to hold us to what we have done wrong because we've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? 
all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we all did something that somebody could say, hey, I'm not gonna forgive you that for that because you didn't deserve my forgiveness. Like, look what you did to me. You really hurt me. You know, I mean, I, I will speak for myself. I've personally really, really hurt people. And, and I didn't, that wasn't my intent, at least post-salvation, that was never my intent to hurt people, but I ended up hurting people anyways. And before salvation, I had, you know, probably done much more intentional hurting of somebody. And those people don't have to forgive me. And some of them didn't. And some of them, most of them were so gracious in forgiving me, even in the midst of me not deserving it. But here's the kicker, guys. As a born again believer, it is not up to you whether you get to choose to forgive to forgive somebody, excuse me, or not. It is a command by God for you to forgive because you have been forgiven. So since you have been forgiven of the great debt that you owe to God, which is your sin, and the debt that you owe to him now is your life, he forgave you of that if you repented and put your faith in him and gave your life to Christ. So how much more should we forgive the other people who have done wrong to us? With that being said, I want to go to another scripture here in Matthew 5 where it says in verse 43, you have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do that? He's saying, do not even the atheists do that? He says, Therefore, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So he's saying, he's putting again into um, consideration here that we are commanded to love your enemy and not hate, or love your neighbor, excuse me, and not hate your enemy, but you're actually supposed to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. So here's kind of the question is, are you willing to pray for those who do you wrong? Because here's the thing, people will do you wrong, guys. It is. It, I mean, odds are, if you're listening to this, you're old enough to have had somebody do something wrong to you that really hurt you, right? And you were really offended by something that somebody had done to you. And Jesus says that we're not only supposed to forgive them, but pray for them and love them. We're supposed to love the, our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And guys, it, it, I know it can be hard. I, I'm not going to be incompassionate here and say, oh, well, you guys just need to get over yourself. You don't know it. I mean, guys, I've gone through a lot of really hard stuff in my life. I, I've, I've had some very, very heavy struggles. And in the midst of that, I've had people who have done me very, very, very wrong. I've been part of communities and stuff of people who talked nothing but evil and, and, and lies about me and spread rumors about me just to hurt, <coughs> excuse me, hurt me and get everybody else to be against me. And, you know, I'm not saying it's always easy, but for me, when I gave my life to Christ in Romans, it says those who have been forgiven much love much. And it was not hard for me to understand of how much I've been forgiven of when I gave my life to Christ. And since I'd been forgiven much, it was so easy for me to understand that I was to love those people. So never did I have this bitter bitterness or resentment towards those people post-salvation. It was so clear to me that I didn't deserve forgiveness and I was given it anyway. So how much more should I do it for the people who did me wrong? And in regards to loving your enemy and praying for those who persecute you, just to put it to more into perspective for you, I want you to think right now, I'm going to give you a second, seriously, and think about the person in your life that you're saying, Cody, I cannot forgive that person. Just think about it for a second. Pray about it if you've got to. Okay, now that you have that person in mind and you can think of what they did to you, I want to ask you, um, in, in contrast, how, how big of a deal whatever they did was to you in light of what I'm about to say. God sent his son 
who lived a perfect, sinless life. He lived in moral perfection. All to spend 12 years for the three years of ministry, or excuse me, to spend three years with the 12 people he did ministry with and loved these people and served these people and was washing their feet and he was ministering to them and meeting their needs and seeing people everywhere who were struggling and he was just loving on them and caring for them. And the religious leaders of the day were just mocking him. Yet little did they know that this is the Jesus. Jesus is the God who actually spoke their lives into existence, who thought about them in their mother's womb before they'd even had a breath. He created them and knitly and designed them and knitted them in their mother's womb. And now those people are mocking him. And ridiculing him because they're taking they're taking the, the recognition off the Pharisees and, and they're putting Jesus is putting it onto himself because he's the one that deserves all of that. And then after all of that, his best friends, he's sitting at a meal with them the day before he's gonna give up his life. And and as he's sitting with them, he says, I know all of you guys are gonna betray me and you don't care. And they're all going, Oh, come on, we're not gonna do that. And he said, One of you is gonna actually hand me over completely over for my death. And one of his best friends literally sells him for a couple, a couple dollars so that he can just get a little money. And, and then Jesus ends up going to be crucified for all of this. And then at the moment when people say, hey, you ride with Jesus, right? You're one of Jesus' buddies, right? Every one of them dispersed, right? Peter denies him three times. And then after that, he's standing before Pontius Pilate and going, I'm the king of the Jews. I didn't do anything wrong, guys. And they're mocking and ridiculing him. And then they stand him before his own people, before the Jewish people. And they put Barabbas right there and they put Jesus right there. And they say, we know Barabbas. Barabbas is unquestionably a criminal. Who do you want? Do you want Barabbas or do you want Jesus to be set free? And they said, we know that Jesus did nothing wrong. We know that Barabbas did do something wrong. Give us Barabbas. We want Barabbas to be free. So in the complete ultimate contradiction, just so the Roman Empire wouldn't have to have a big debauchery on their hand, they let a factually known criminal free just so they could slaughter a man who reminded them of their own unrighteousness. Jesus went and got beaded beyond recognition, worse than any man. He's sitting on a cross and getting mocked by one of the two people on the cross who again knew that they were doing stuff wrong. He's hanging on a tree that he created and he is standing on a cross here. He's, he's laying on a cross getting spit on and mocked and blasphemed. And Jesus cries out on the cross, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And then his life is taken. For the sins of the people who nailed him on that cross in the first place. In light of that, guys, can you tell me that whatever it is that happened to you is worse than that. To go even a step further, this Jesus who was so unfairly punished was nailed to a cross by you and me. Not only did people mock him, not only did people spit on him and blaspheme him, you and I are the ones who did it. It wasn't these old archaic people who did it, it was you and me. The sins of you and I are the ones that nailed Jesus to the cross. If it wasn't for him getting nailed to the cross, you and me could never be forgiven of the sins that we've committed. Yet, God being rich in mercy showed his love for you in this, that while you were yet spitting in his face as he's getting nailed on the cross, he cried out, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they're doing. If you've ever lied in your life, if you've ever stolen anything, downloaded music off the internet illegal or whatever it is, stolen something ever in your life, if you've ever looked upon somebody with sexual desire 
ever in your life, if you've ever blasphemed God's name, if you've ever said OMG, used Jesus' name in any way that wasn't honoring to him, you deserve eternal punishment for the way that you've lived. And I do too. I have done all of those things so many times. And in the midst of that, in the midst of knowing that, and all-knowing God, he's up on a cross saying, forgive them, Father, for they have no idea what they're doing. So what's worse? What we did to Jesus or what somebody else did to you? What we did to Jesus is way worse. So although I understand that it could cause pain and hurt and turmoil with whatever somebody's done to you, whether they were in the right or wrong or indifferent, and it's not fair that whatever they did to you happened, we are commanded to forgive them because you have been forgiven. Not because you deserved it, just like they don't deserve it, not because you deserved it, but because he forgave you. If you want to be forgiven one day, Jesus specifies, if you do not forgive your brother, your heavenly father will not forgive you. So what means more to you? Holding offense by what somebody else did to you or going to heaven one day? Because those are the two options you've been given by God. Not by me, but by God. That, those are the two options that God has given you. Either forgive or spend, you spend eternity apart from Christ. Regardless of whatever prayer you said, whatever baptism you got, however much service you do, if you refuse to forgive, you cannot be forgiven. God says that. Again, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's always fun. But if you want what's fair, go to hell. That's what scripture says. Scripture says if you want what is fair for you, that hell is the only thing that we deserve. That, that is what's fair. Thank God we serve an unfair God who said, I don't want to give you what you deserve, but I want to give you what you don't deserve, which is grace, which is mercy, which is forgiveness. You don't deserve forgiveness. You don't, for, you don't deserve grace. You don't deserve love. But God said, I want to give it to you anyways. That's the beauty of this prodigal son story, guys. That Luke 15, that, that this man, this son, he spit in his dad's face and said, Dad, you're dead to me. Give me my inheritance. I don't want to ever see you again. Then he spends it all on prostitutes all the way across the world and comes back to his dad one day and he says, I'm sorry, I'm so sick of living this life. And his dad comes to him with a ring and a robe, kisses him on the cheek and says, I want to kill a fatted calf for this one. It's crazy to me to think about that because it's not something that's deserved, but it's something that was wanted to be given. So the last thing that I want to leave you guys with is how much stress, how much hurt, how much pain, how much turmoil have you lived in since whatever happened to you? How much of that have you still lived in and how much has that affected your weekly life? For a lot of you, you'd probably say it's significantly affected. It's, it's affected my identity maybe. It's affected the way that I look at people. It's affected my optimism. It's affected my way that I love other people. You are stabbing yourself in the side regularly by not forgiving people. You realize that that person's not hurt by your unforgiveness towards them, right? Like, like they're not affected at all by that. I mean, very little at all are they affected by your lack of forgiving them. There's only two people who are being hurt by your unforgiveness. You're hurting God and you're just hurting yourself. So the question that I have to you, how long are you going to go on stabbing yourself in the side before you say, hey, this really hurts my, me. I'm going to give it up because 
Living free means more to me than stabbing myself in the side over and over again. And more important than doing it for yourself, doing it for God. How much more are you going to just stab God in the rib and say, God, living in obedience doesn't mean that much to me. Again, I want to stress, I am not being in compassion. I know what it feels like to be hurt by people. I've been heavily hurt by people, guys. I know what it feels like. But Jesus took our right to be offended away on the cross so that we could actually be free from the unforgiveness that we hold so deeply in us. But we could be free from it. Jesus, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And you have the Spirit of God living in you if you're a born-again believer. And if you refuse to give up that unforgiveness, the Bible says that you cannot be forgiven. So what I want you guys to do in closing is find out whoever it is that's in your life right now that you're saying, man, I know I need to forgive them and get right with God on it, guys. Get on your knees and get right with God on it because you will be so thankful afterwards that you did. It will free you so much. And I even encourage you to go one step further and speak with that person. I'm not saying you have to be best friends with them. I don't know what happened to you guys all but I don't know what happened in the situations, but if you can just speak to them and let them know that you forgive them, if it's a really, really dangerous situation for you to actually be with them, of course, don't put yourself in that situation. But if you're able to, I'm not asking you to be best friends with these people. I'm asking you to forgive them and let them know, hey, you know, I was hurt by whatever you did or whatever, but I forgive you and I love you. And I just want to see you be in right relation with God. And it would be an incredible avenue for you to be able to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to these people. So first thing I want you guys to do is just get on your knees before the Lord and ask for forgiveness for these things and really, really repent from them. And watch how it just changes the way that you're able to live your everyday life without feeling this condemnation, this conviction, this burden of holding unforgiveness.